Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit Um, you know, I've been speaking in church environments for about 30 years now. I started when I was 10. And uh, having given lots of messages and uh, having hung around a lot of preachers and also a lot of pastors, um, I have a bit of a confession to make. In fact, a little bit of inside information for you here. There are two topics that preachers and pastors don't really like to talk about. They get a little nervous around these two topics. Uh, you know what they are? Number one is sex, and number two is money. Two pretty sensitive topics. And so what I've decided to do, I'm going to leave the sex talk for Pastor Rob. <laughs> when he gets back from Africa, sometime in the future, he'll do the sex talk. And I've decided to talk about money. Uh, this weekend and next week. In fact, our two-part series uh, is entitled... Could you just pass me that little clicker there? Because I'm supposed to be controlling this tonight. Thank you, Luke. So let's see if that button works. There we go. Uh, one back. Our uh, two-part series is entitled Your Personal Money Makeover. Uh, just relax. We're not taking up another offering. In fact, this weekend, we're not even going to talk about giving. Uh, that's only one small part of financial management. But we're going to do a two-part series entitled Your Personal Money Makeover, Principles for Being Financially Free. And the reason I speak on this is I actually want to be a help to you, uh, share some of the things I've learned, some of the mistakes that I've made in the areas of finances. Uh, I really want to be a help to you personally. Um, and so I want you to fasten your seatbelts. We've got a fair bit we're going to cover. Uh, put your thinking caps on and also be open. Be open to what God may say to you through our two-part series, Your Personal Money Maker. But how does that sound for everybody? I'm going to do it anyway, but I thought I'd just check with you. As we kick in, we're going to begin our message by reading one of Jesus' parables. Um, some of you might be new to church. Some of you have been around a long time. Jesus was an amazing communicator, and he never communicated without a story. He loved to tell parables. A parable is a story, an illustration that teaches us truth, teaches us principles for living. And so we're going to turn to Luke 16. And we're going to read verses 1 to 13. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. This is a parable about a shrewd manager. Some of you may have heard of it. Some of you may have never heard of it. Uh, I haven't heard many messages on it, but it's a very intriguing parable. So let's have a read of it as we begin today. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. I mean, it's not a good day for this manager. I didn't think so. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. 
I don't have the strength to dig ditches. I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe? The man replied, I owe 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, quick, take the bill. Let's make it 400. Uh, how much do you owe my employer? He said to the next man, I owe 1,000 bushels of wheat. It was his reply. Here the manager said, take the bill, let's make it 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire this dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than the children of light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you into an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, Jesus goes on to say, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? He goes on and he finishes this teaching by saying, no one can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's a really unusual parable, but it's not an unusual topic. I don't know if you realize, but when it comes to the Bible and money, Jesus talked about money and possessions in 16 out of 38 parables. In fact, one in 10 verses in the four Gospels refer to this topic. Jesus talked more about money and possessions than about heaven and hell combined. Interesting. Uh, there are 500 verses in the Bible on the subject of prayer. There are 500 verses on the subject of faith. But there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible on the topic of money and possessions and over 1,000 verses on the topic of money alone, which is second only to the subject of love. So the biblical authors talked a lot about money because your money matters. It was a good chance to say amen, if you like to say amen. I'll, I'll give you one more chance. Your money matters. It, it really does. It matters to God, and hopefully it matters to you. Now, let's get back to this parable. Uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples, not the crowd. He tells about this interaction between this business owner, the master, and his employee, a servant, a manager. And then he gives some lessons at the end. It's pretty hard to know what Jesus is commending uh, this manager for because he started out dishonest and he got fired because of his dishonesty. But his next actions can be interpreted only one of two ways. Either he was doing another dishonest act to help himself financially 
and the boss praised him for his cleverness, or maybe he was discounting the debts and forgoing his part of the commission, thereby getting some money for his boss, but also gaining favor with the customers who would possibly befriend him after he'd lost his job. We don't really know, but the lesson of the parable is how we manage our money, our resources, really is important. In fact, we'll be held account for how we do so. And so we need to prepare for that accountability. And if we look after our resources wisely, there's a reward, there's some joy because of that. And then when Jesus finishes the parable, he adds a few other lessons. How we handle small things will be an indicator of how we handle large things. God looks at how we're managing our money, our worldly wealth, to see whether we can handle spiritual responsibility. How we manage other things is an indicator of our character and maturity. And ultimately, we can only serve one master, one Lord, either God or money. You know, you can tell a lot about a person by how they spend their money. In another part, Jesus says, where your treasure is, where your money is, there your heart will be also. In fact, uh, could I say that if we could just look at your receipts, if you've got a credit card, if we could look at your bill, if we could look at your receipts, how many know your receipts kind of tell you what your heart's into? Come on, don't look at me so spiritual. I guarantee if you're into home maintenance and gardening, there's probably a few Bunnings receipts in your wallet. You know, if you're into movies, there's probably a few village cinema receipts there. If you're into art, maybe a National Gallery of Victoria membership is somewhere in there. If you're into sport, maybe there's an AFL membership. If you're into books like me, Amazon.com gets a bit of my money. Are you following? Where your heart is, your treasure kind of follows. And so managing our finances is really, really important. Now, the truth is we live here in Australia in one of the richest countries in the world. It's estimated that 10% of people in the world live on a dollar or so a day or less, which makes all of us in this room, everyone listening online, if you're in the Western world, we're actually rich when it compares to that 10% of the world who live in extreme poverty. But you know that even though we're actually rich and well off, the truth is many of us are under financial pressure. In fact, a recent survey was done of Christians, and the number one pressure they were under was in the area of finances. Average credit card debt is rising. For many, it's in the thousands of dollars. And when your money's not going well, when there's financial pressure, it affects every area of your life. The good news is there are some great teachings from the Bible that can help us. In fact, in this story, Jesus said the children of this world are wiser than the children of light when it comes to money. How many know that was not a compliment? He's actually saying sometimes people that claim to be Christian, that say they're following Jesus, actually aren't managing their finances as well as those who don't necessarily have a faith. Jesus was challenging his disciples about the importance of managing their finances, which requires faith to trust in God, but also wisdom to have the common sense to live uh, successfully with our money. Now, uh, let's, in our introductory comments, uh, on the negative side, the Bible actually has some, some uh, warnings about money, about wealth. Let's have a look at a scripture here in Ecclesiastes 5. It says this, Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10 in the NLT, those who love money will never have enough. 
how absurd to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. (laughs) How good is that? So what is the advantage of wealth except perhaps to watch it run through your fingers? People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much. Uh, Let's keep going, whether they eat little or much. But the rich are always worrying and seldom get a good night's sleep. There is another serious problem I have seen in the world. Riches are sometimes hoarded to the harm of the saver, or they are put into risky investments that turn sour and everything's lost. In the end, there's nothing to pass on to one's children. People who live only for wealth come to the ends of their lives naked and empty-handed as the day they were born. This is a serious problem. As people come to the world, so they depart. All their hard work is for nothing. They've been working for the wind and everything will be swept away. How many know that's a pretty challenging scripture? That was written 3,000 years ago. But how relevant is that for us today? Money can be quite deceptive. It overpromises. It can actually be destructive in our life if we're not careful. I read a story in the newspapers here in Melbourne back in uh, the year 2000 about a man named Angelo Patti, a uh, 39-year-old invalid pensioner. And uh, he thought it was his lucky day when his ATM started spitting out $50 notes. He went to another teller machine and it did the same thing. One day, he emptied two machines of $139,000. This glitch in his debit card allowed him to withdraw an endless supply of cash, even though his account was $200 in the red. Some of you are feeling a little jealous, aren't you? Over eight months, Angelo withdrew withdrew $1.8 million, and he knew how to spend it. $500,000 on shares, paid off his de facto wife's mortgage, uh, renovated their house, bought a new car, bought a Harley Davidson that he actually never rode, and he gambled away large amounts. Once he realized what was happening, he kept spending wildly for eight months. He couldn't help himself. He never had enough. 10,000, 50,000, 100,000, 500,000, a million. It kept on going. And Angelo believed that somehow all this money, this windfall would bring him happiness. He thought it would last forever. Actually, although what he did was illegal and unethical, it was his greed that led to his arrest. Because on one day, after eight months, he cleared another two entire ATMs of cash that led to his discovery and subsequent arrest. A lot of money. How did that money affect Angelo? It actually ended up destroying his life. And so if we're careful, not careful, money can be a monster. Uh, If we allow it to control our life, it can destroy us. Apostle Paul said, the love of money is the root of all evil and riches, as we heard tonight from Hattie, who almost started preaching my sermon, can be a threat to our relationship with God. Now, do we pause here and say, well, let's all pray to be poor? No, no. Money can cause a lot of damage. It can actually be destructive if it rules our life, but money is not the problem. It's our attitude towards it. In fact, there are a lot of benefits of money. Uh, Money can meet our basic needs. It can be used for our enjoyment, and we can actually be a blessing to other people. Let's look what Paul in the New Testament has to say here. Tell those who are rich... Now, let's pause there. How many know when we see the word rich, we think somebody else? I have a friend who visited 
uh, a businessman in Texas. And he said, I drove onto his property. There were acres of land. Uh, there was this swimming pool. There was a tennis court. There was a horse stable, the biggest house my friend had ever seen. And as he had dinner with his family, they were talking about the rich people up the road. <laughs> How many know rich, we think, is those who have more than us? Let's just pause and realize, compared to most of the world, we're all rich. So tell those who are rich, that's all of us, not to be proud and to trust in our money, which will soon be gone, but to trust in the living God who gives us all we need. That's what money can do for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and they should give generously to those who are in need, always being ready to share with others. And so money can actually be a benefit to our lives, to help us to enjoy uh, life and to help others. Uh, Warren Buffett, the third richest person in the world right now, has $87 billion to his name. He lives frugally. He gives away 99% of his income, uh, much of it to a foundation that helps healthcare and extreme poverty globally. There's a man with a lot of money, but he's doing it. Uh, he's actually using it for good. Most of us in this room will never be as wealthy as Warren Buffett. But I believe God wants all of us to prosper. And the word prosper means to have enough to meet your needs and enough to give away. How many think that's a, that, that's a good goal in all of our life, is to have enough to meet our needs and enough to give away? See, money's not bad in and of itself. It's whether we're ruling money, whether we're in control of money, or whether it's in control of our lives. And so after that brief introduction, let's now talk a bit about a personal money makeover. How many know everyone's into makeovers today? I mean, people are making over their house or renovating something in their garden or trying to lose weight. Everyone's into makeovers. Well, how about over these two weeks, we do a bit of a personal money makeover. This starts with an assessment of how you're doing financially. Just relax. This won't hurt too much. If you're going to manage your finances well, it starts with an audit, a checkup of how you're doing. For some of you, this will be new. For many of you, it'll be something you're familiar with, but hopefully a reminder today, and I encourage you to help others. If you're going to do a, a personal money makeover and manage your finances well, there's four things you need to know. Here they are coming up on the screen now. Uh, number one, you need to know what you own. Not what your neighbor owns, what you own, which is your assets. This includes cash, it includes a vehicle if you've got one, furnishings, tools, investments, your stamp collection if you've got one, um, a house, money that people owe you. You need to know everything that you own. This is referred to as your assets. Number two, the second thing you need to know is what you owe. Everyone say, oh. <laughs> What you owe, this is your liabilities or debts. Accountants in the room are getting very excited. They never thought they'd hear the word liability in church. Or maybe it feels a bit like work. I don't know. You need to know what you owe, your liabilities, your debts. This is a bank loan, a credit card debt, that money you loaned from grandma. Get it on the list. You need to know everything that you owe as well as what you own. Uh, thirdly, you need to know what you earn. This is your income. This can include wages, uh, government support, royalties, gifts from people, investment returns. This is the inflow of money coming your way. You need to know your income. And fourthly, you need to know what you spend. How many know we're really good at spending? 
Man, we do this, we do this without training, without education. Uh, but you need to know what you're spending it on, which includes your living expenses, your accommodation, food, clothing, loan or debt repayments. These are the four things that you need to know if you're going to do an assessment of how your financial health or well-being is doing. Now, the first two uh, are what's referred to as a balance sheet. And this is where we take our assets and our liabilities and you subtract your liabilities from your assets and hopefully there's a bit of equity, a bit of net worth there. And the percentages and the proportions are more important than the actual amounts. Let me illustrate this. If you are here today and your assets are worth a million dollars, well, people could think you're pretty wealthy. But if your liabilities are 1.2 million, how many know you're not in very good financial health? You're negative $200,000. You're actually in trouble. On the other hand, if your assets are $100,000 and your debts are $80,000, then you have a net worth of $20,000. You're actually more healthy financially than the person with a million dollars. Are you following me? It's got nothing to do with the amounts. It's all about the ratios and the proportions. And so this is our balance sheet. Uh, secondly is what's called a profit and loss statement, where we take our income and we subtract our expenses, and hopefully there's a little bit left over. We've got a profit rather than a loss. Again, the percentages and the proportions are more important than the actual amounts. You could be earning $100,000 a year, but if you're spending $120,000 a year, how many know you're not very healthy financially? You're going into the red 20000 every year. Just look straight ahead, smile, just ignore your neighbor. <laughs> However, if you are only earning $50,000 a year, bless you, and you're spending $40,000 a year, how many know you are healthier financially than the person with double your income? It's got nothing to do with the amounts. It's whether you are spending less than you're earning so that you're not going into destructive debt. And so this is an assessment that I think everyone needs to do. And it takes a little bit of time. You can get some help. You can get a computer program or someone to help you put this together. But it's definitely worth doing this because if you don't have an accurate assessment of where you are, then you're not going to be able to manage your finance as well. How many know when you get up on the scales, the scales don't lie, do they? <laughs> the scales don't lie and the numbers don't lie. And so I'm wanting to encourage you uh, to have your finances managed well. You need to start with a, an honest assessment of where you are right now. And so I'm going to encourage you to do this over this next week is to think through your assets, your liabilities, your income, your expenses, and find out where you are when it comes to your financial health. Because once you've defined reality, then you can start to talk about where you want to go, what your goals are for the future, so that you can be financially free. Unless we take control of our money, it will take control of us and our life. Money is a great servant, but it's a terrible taskmaster. If we allow it to rule us, then we will uh, suffer greatly because of that. And so we've got to take control of our finances. And it starts with 
and accurate assessment. A, a, a tool then to help us uh, continue to move from where we are to where we want to be uh, is something called a budget. Anyone heard of a budget? It's not a four-letter word. A budget is simply a plan for our finances. It's a plan for earning. It's a plan for spending. And what we earn and what we spend affects that balance sheet of what we owe and what we own and what we owe. And if we're spending less than we're earning, then we're making a profit, we can actually see our balance sheet increase and improve and our financial health get better over time. A budget is a plan. The Bible has a lot to say about planning. Here's Jesus again, uh, Luke 14, 28 to 30. Don't begin until you count the cost. He's talking about a building. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it. Otherwise, you'll complete only the foundation before running out of money. Then everyone will laugh at you. They'll say, that person started that building but couldn't afford to finish it. Jesus is commending budgeting. Anyone like grand designs? My wife and I love grand designs. If you like uh, real estate and architecture, it's a great program. But it's always a little stressful when you realize how people set an unrealistic budget and then the budget goes way out and just the stress that it creates when you've actually not estimated the cost of what you're about to do. So Jesus is simply saying, uh, if you're going to manage your finances well, sit down, count the cost, put a budget together. And so uh, it starts by those four things that I just mentioned and then thinking about how you're going to move forward to a great future in your financial world. Every budget um, begins with an assessment of our income, and then once you know what's coming in, know what your income is, then you can look at your expenses and where that money is about to go. And so we're going to spend a few minutes uh, today talking about income, how we actually get some money flowing in. Anyone would like some more money flowing in your way? Okay, about three of us. How do we get money? How do we get the income, the earning side of our equation going? Well, human work is the means by which we earn the money to stay alive. It's the earning side of the financial equation. How many know God is a worker? Yes? Thank you for that enthusiastic response. God is a worker. He worked for six days, creating the world, and then he rested on the seventh day. And then God created you and I to work. Uh, let's have a look at this right here. Uh, Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work. Everyone say work. work. Come on, I know it's a four-letter word, but it's not a swear word. It's not a negative word. He put us in the garden to work it and to take care of it. So part of our purpose for being alive as human beings, in addition to relating to God and relating to one another, is to work. I think sometimes we think work came after sin entered the world. You know, like, like before sin, Adam and Eve were just laying in a hammock, drinking a pina colada or a lemonade, and just a life of leisure. And then sin came and God went, okay, off to work. It actually didn't happen that way. Sin didn't enter the world till Genesis 3. So this is before the fall. This is before the temptation. This is before our world kind of got a little messed up. God wanted you and I to contribute to work uh, work actually gives us meaning, but it's also a means of income. 
Uh, a little later on in Deuteronomy, Moses said this, Remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. One translation says God gives you the power to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant. The primary means of us getting income is through work. And notice here, God is in the power-giving business, not the money-giving business. Wouldn't it be nice if every morning you woke up and there's a little envelope at the foot of your bed with your money for the day? And you say, thank you, God, for my money, and you just go spend it. would be nice, wouldn't it? God doesn't give us money. It doesn't say, remember the Lord your God who gives you money. He actually doesn't give us money. He gives us the ability, the power to produce resources. And so how do we get the earning side? How do we get income flowing into our life? It's through using our gifts, using our time, using our talents, using our abilities. He gives us the ability to produce or generate wealth into our life. And so God wants all of us. Uh, if you want a prophecy here today, God's will is that you work. Some of you are really excited about that. Now look, there are situations and seasons where for various reasons we maybe cannot work or we have to be dependent on others for income, whether that's our family, friends, or the government. There's always exceptions, but generally speaking, God has called every human being not just to be alive, not just to take up space, but to get income through working, not sitting at home waiting for a check to arrive in the mail. God wants us to have a work mentality, not a welfare mentality. The way we get the income flowing is through us working. I also don't believe God wants us to get income through gambling. You know, Aussies, we are amongst the world's leading gamblers, and that's not something to be, a pr to be proud of. There are more poker machines in Australia per capita than any place in the world. Uh, no wonder last year we lost more money on gambling than any other country. Actually, averages a thousand per person. When you consider the people that don't gamble, it's actually a lot of money being lost on gambling. And, and gambling can cause a lot of damage. Personally, it can become very addictive, uh, leads to extreme risk taking, it affects uh, families. They reckon one, in, uh, one person with a gambling problem affects, on average, seven other people in their life. And so I don't believe gambling is the way God wants us to get income. Um, just out of interest, your chances of winning the lottery are one in seven million. In fact, you're more likely to be struck by lightning than to win the lottery, which is just to kind of put it in perspective. And so think about that. But, but here's the main point. I think we should avoid gambling, not just because of the, the, the statistical chances of winning or losing, I think gambling is diametrically opposed to God's plan because God connects the acquisition of money to hard work so that we build the character, maturity, and skills through our work. As we work diligently, our income grows and we can actually handle it because we're growing in character and maturity. How many know when people get a lot of money without any hard work, <laughs> statistics tell you that before long, they're right back to where they were because they actually haven't grown. They haven't matured. You know, if someone gives you five grand, well, you've got five grand, but how many know if you work hard and save five grand, you kind of value that a little bit more because you got up in the morning, you went to work, you saved, you value what you work for. And so I think God 
encourage us to avoid get-rich-quick schemes because they're disconnected from the, the character development, the maturity that happens when we work faithfully day after day and manage our finances well. People who want something for nothing don't develop the character necessary to handle it wisely. And so work is how we get the income side of our earning happening. Again, you know, we'd all like the perfect job. How many know you've got to sometimes start with a job, not necessarily the perfect job. And as we work, as we improve our skills, and it's not just about doing a day's work, but actually working really, really well. Paul says, whatever you do, work at it, at it as to the Lord, as to Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, how many Think if Jesus said, would you vacuum this room? You'd probably do a pretty good job. <laughs> Just think about what you're about to do on Monday or wherever we're going out to our places of employment or to school. Just think how differently we would do things if we realized we're actually doing this to Jesus. It's, it's a reflection of our discipleship, of what it means to be a Christian. And so that means being diligent. It means uh, going the extra mile, doing a little bit extra. Uh, it's doing it with joy. Psalms 100 says, serve the Lord with gladness. A lot of people serve the Lord. No, no, no. It's not just serving. It's the attitude you bring in how you serve. And so don't just have a job, but serve well. Give a little extra. Here's a good question. If your job was advertised today, would you get it? Someone's nodding really furiously over there. That's great. Maybe you're the boss. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but no, you're obviously a great employee. If your job was advertised today, would you get it? Hopefully you would. If you didn't, you need to improve either your skills or your attitude. If you quit your job on Monday, would there be tears? And I'm not talking about tears of joy. <laughs> it's, it's one thing to have a job, but, but how, how do we go about our work? Uh, these are principles of promotion. Uh, promotion comes. It's not something you go after. You don't just go, I'm going to go get a promotion. No, promotion is a result of working well. How many know the reward of work done well is more work? And, and so there are principles of promotion. So it's not just having a job, but doing our best to work well, to be diligent, and to honor the Lord in how we go about doing our daily work. Now, again, we can get our money working for us, and next weekend we're going to talk about savings and investments, where instead of just working for money, we get our money working for us. We will talk about that. But to get that income flowing, it starts with simply doing a good day's work, earning an income. As we improve ourselves, we improve our employability and also our income earning potential. Next weekend, we're going to talk about expenses and what we do with our money when it comes in. And we need a plan for saving. We need a plan for how we're going to spend as well as for giving. Unfortunately, most people only spend their money. In fact, the number one problem in Australia today is most people spend more than they earn on a regular basis. And they're going into destructive debt. That's the number one problem. So none do with the amounts. And so next weekend, we're going to talk about a very simple and powerful plan for, for saving, for spending wisely, and for giving. And so don't miss next week's exciting episode of your personal money makeover as we continue talking about this important area. I've covered a fair bit tonight, and we're going to cover a fair bit 
uh, next week too. I'm going to give a bit of a shameless plug because this week, um, let's pop here, uh, next week's part two. Uh, this week I've got actually a book coming out called Money Talks. Uh, practical principles for becoming financially free. And everything in tonight's message and next week's at a heap of extra is going to be in this book. It's at the printer now. And so it's not here tonight, but next weekend it'll be available for, for $15. And I hope that that'll be a real help to you personally. There's some extra chapters about for business owners uh, on fundraising, on alleviating poverty in our world. And so that'll be available next week. And so as we wrap this up tonight, our money really, really does matter. That's the reason Jesus told the parable of the shrewd manager is, is how we manage our resources is really, really important. Uh, money can be dangerous. Uh, if you allow it to control you, there's Angelo. He, he's got his ATM, find all these $50. And uh, it seemed like a lucky day, but in the end, the, the, his greed for money actually ended up destroying his life. And so if we're not careful, money can be a monster if we allow it to rule our life. Uh, money, on the other hand, can be a great benefit to us. There's a lot of things we can't do because we don't have money. Isn't that true? If we had money, think what we could do. And so nothing wrong with money. It's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money that is the root of it. There's a big, big difference. And so money can actually help us do some really, really good things. Uh, good money management begins with an accurate assessment of our financial situation. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of homework and encourage you, if you don't know those four things, your assets, what you own, your liabilities, what you owe, your income, what's coming in, and your expenses, what's going out, I encourage you to put the time. Will it take time? Yes. Is it worth it? It sure is. And so I encourage you to hop up on the scales and have a real good look at how your finances are doing. Uh, we started touching a little bit on the income side, which we do through our daily work. And so I pray that uh, that'll be a help as well as an encouragement to each one of you today. And next week, we'll move into a plan for uh, spending our money wisely so that we can see our financial health go from strength to strength. I'm going to pray for us as we pause there. Uh, I would like to pray tonight for um, anyone who's out of work. Maybe you're looking for a job right now. I, I actually have real faith to help people um, in their search for getting a job. And so who'd be honest enough to say I'm looking for some work right now? Come on. And you, hand up, big smile. There could be a business owner right next to you. Look really employable right now. Uh, so anyone looking for work? Anyone like a better job? A different job? Hopefully no staff are putting their hands up right now. Okay, keep, keep your hand raised. In fact, would you mind just standing wherever you are? Come on, don't be embarrassed. We've all been between jobs. So come on, where's all those looking for work? I want to pray for them. In fact, we're all going to pray for those who are standing now. Uh, maybe watching online, you're looking for work. Let's pray for these people. As they stand, maybe just reach your hand towards them. Come on, we're a family. Uh, just a hand towards them and let's pray for them today. Father, you give us the ability, the power to earn wealth. It doesn't just rock up at our doorstep. 
doorstep. We've got to get up. We've got to go out. We've got to use our gifts and our talents uh, to get the earning side happening. These people standing, pretty bold step, but, but they're looking for some work. And so I pray a huge blessing on them today as they put applications in, as they put resumes together, as they knock on doors, as they go for interviews. I pray for your favor on them in Jesus' name. Those listening online, God, you would favor them as they find just the right job for themselves. Lord, give them a job that matches their abilities, their passion with the need at hand. And as they go out there and they add value, they provide a need, they provide a service, Lord. Not only will they enjoy contributing, but Lord, you'll reward them financially. And so I'm praying this week, Lord, for some breakthroughs for employment and finance and opportunities to come these people's way in Jesus' wonderful name. Come on, give these people a big encouragement today. A big encouragement. Amen. We're, we're cheering you on, and I really look forward to some good stories next weekend uh, with some job offers, etc. How about we all stand and we just finish with one more prayer. Father, I pray the way we think about our money would be different because of tonight. Uh, sometimes we can think you're just into worship and uh, spirituality, but God, you're interested in every area of our life, how we go about our work. Jesus, you were a carpenter for 30 years. You made products. You work with customers, some of them really grumpy, I'm sure. You put in a good day's work. You work the tools. Jesus, you were a tradesperson. As we look at the Bible, there are farmers, there are, there are judges, there are kings, there are accountants. Paul was a tent maker. And so you're interested in our life. Help us to break this dualism that talks about the sacred and the secular. Everything in life is sacred. When we, when we go to work on Monday or wherever we're going out there, you're there. You're a part of our work. It's part of your purpose for our lives. It's not secular. It's sacred. It's holy. And so may we view our work through some new eyes, through some new perspective. And, and when we go to work, let's not just rock up with our body, but let us be engaged. Let us serve with joy, with a great attitude. Let us serve with excellence. Let us be the best at what we do. Daniel was 10 times better than the other advisors in Babylon, 10 times better. Not out of arrogance, not out of competition. It's not about being better than someone else, but being the best that we can be. Help us to work differently and to realize that our work is worship. And Lord, I pray finally for those that are facing challenges. And maybe right now there's some people in the room that are in some destructive debt and just if they're honest, if they get up on those scales, whoa, there's a lot of work to be done. I pray today, we can't change our past, but we can affect our future by the decisions we make today. And so I'm praying for all of us to know what it is to be financially free so that our needs are met, not our greeds, our needs are met, and all of us have enough to give away, to be a blessing to others and so thank you for all you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. 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 Well, I hope that didn't hurt too much as we just kicked in. And uh, I do look forward to seeing you next week for part two of the next exciting episode of Your Personal Money Makeover. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.